Hello, my friends. You are listening to the Shine at Work podcast, formerly known as Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. I'm a transformational career coach who helps career-oriented humans get unstuck and find and be successful in careers that bring them joy, fulfillment, and success. I believe you should actually love what you do, even on the bad days, that you can find a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. Every week, I talk to someone who felt stuck in their job and found a way to build a career that was right for them, because I know how that feels when your light is dim. I made a career change from theater to HR and now coaching, and at times in my life, I've had to look inside to see what was important, what made me shine bright, and make adjustments along the way. It's possible. I did it, my guests did it, and I help others do it. I hope you walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice. And I hope you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends, because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives, specifically at work. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to share two upcoming free workshops I'll be leading. Shine Bright in the New Year is a 90-minute immersive workshop where I will guide you to identify areas of your life and your career that you want to start making a plan to change. We all have places where we feel stuck in our lives. In this workshop, you will receive actionable advice and tools to identify where you feel stuck, why you feel stuck, and a roadmap to get unstuck to make 2022 your best year yet. Assuming it's safe, I'll be offering this workshop in person on Thursday, October 28th in Charlotte. Again, assuming it's safe, but we're going to plan for it. No matter what, I will also be offering this virtually on Thursday, November 4th. Both workshops will include time for live coaching and a discount code for future one-on-one coaching with me to continue the work. So whether you want to focus on a career transformation or another area of your life where you're feeling a little dim, this workshop will help you create an action plan to shine bright in the new year. To register for the events, you can go to my website, www.karendweeks.com backslash speaking to find more details or you can just email me directly at karen at karendweeks.com or message me on any social platform and I'll send you the registration link. Now on to our regularly scheduled programming. Hi everyone. I am so excited to have Paris join us today. She and I met actually through Order Groove probably several months ago now. And I loved how she told her story about why she started her current company and how she got into the field she's in today. So when I started thinking about season three, I said, I have to have Paris on the show. So first let me uh, introduce her and let her say hi, and then we'll dive in. So Paris, let us uh, let the audience know a little bit more about yourself. Hey everyone, it's Paris. I am creator of Black Tech Twitter, founder of Black Tech Pipeline, and yeah, we're going to get into that then. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we are today. So let's go back and rewind to when you were first starting sort of your adult life or in school or wherever you sort of think about the beginning of your career. What did you think you wanted to do when you quote unquote grew up? Um, I I knew I wanted to be a writer and director for movies. Mm. So yeah, I've always been a writer. I've like won tons of competitions and stuff. And I knew that I wanted to make movies. So that's so cool. So did you go to school for that? Or did you dive right into sort of the the movie scene? Yeah. So I went to school in New York. I attended Pace University Mm -hmm. um, for screenwriting. Um, And I stayed there for a year. And 
because when you first enter college, you don't actually do what you're majoring in. Mm-hmm. And I was really impatient. Um, so I was like, you know what? I want to do acting instead because acting, it's like you actually get right into it. Yeah. Um, and I had acting, I had tons of acting experience. I did theater like every year of my life. Um, and so I ended up moving to LA and tried to become an actress instead. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I love when people's lives start to interact with mine as well. So similarly, not on the actress side, but um, I was a theater major and wanted to be a stage manager. And while I loved that work, that lifestyle was really hard. So we moved to LA and we worked for a talent agency thinking that sort of LA was going to make it more stable or something. I don't know what we thought, but that's what our thinking was. So, so what did you think of LA? What, what was it like for you? Um, it was a culture shock. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> honestly, coming from like, I was, I'm from, I'm from Boston. Right. And um, yeah, Boston's small. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to be that person in Boston who makes it like yeah. I'm that unique person. And then I moved to LA and literally, first of all, I think I saw like 10,000 people who either looked like me or looked better than me. So oh. I was like, all right, so I'm no longer unique looking. Um, <laughs> and then like literally everyone out there is trying to become an actress or write like anything. Like they're it, they're all literally in the industry. Um, and I lost so much faith, um, especially because I, that's when I started learning like it's really about who you know versus mm-hmm. how talented you are. Um, so in the end, it, it just ended up didn't, it didn't work out in the end. So yeah, no, it, it's hard because I, first of all, I always encourage people, whether it's moving to LA to be an actress or, you know, going to boot camp to learn UX design or whatever the thing is, try it because then at least, you know, you can say you learn something from it. And if it doesn't work out or it ends up not being your thing, that's okay. But at least you don't have that regret of not trying. Yeah. That, no, that's like my motto. Like I'm always like, try it. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, you can either reposition yourself or try something new. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So LA wasn't the thing and acting wasn't the thing. So where the heck did you think to turn to next? Yeah. So then I ended up moving um, back home to Boston and I was like, okay, how else can I like get into this Hollywood industry and try mm-hmm. to like make it in film? Um, so Boston at that time, like we don't, we didn't really have anything going on. Um, so I was like, I was like, all right, well, like makeup artists are still needed on sets and you can network as a makeup artist if you're on set. So I was like, I'm going to go to school for makeup artistry. Um, and so that's what I did. I enrolled into school for, it's like, I enrolled to be an esthetician, which is yeah. also like makeup artistry. Um, and while I was in school, I, ended up realizing that I freaking hate doing makeup. Oh no. And so <laughs> that was like my least favorite class. I was just <laughs> not, I guess I didn't realize like how much goes into makeup. There's like mm. a method to it. And I was like, oh, I just want to be creative. Like, I don't want to like have to think about this. Um, <laughs> so I ended up not liking it, but I did learn waxing while I was mm. in school. And I actually really, I don't know, there was something like really calming about waxing. And I, I, I felt like I could kind of be creative with waxing. Yeah. Uh, I ended up being really good at it. So once I graduated with my aesthetic, esthetician license, I ended up becoming a wax specialist for, um, you know, the big chain European Wax Center. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, and I, I was there for three years. Wow. It's so interesting. I was just talking to someone else, ironically, 
who does brows and does um, uh, like photo shoots and specifically works on the brows for the photo shoots. Mm -hmm. um, and she was talking about how there are careers out there that no one realize really exist. Um, now you may use that service and not think about it that that's someone's career. Um, and yet people find a lot of success and really love the work. Um, and so doing it for three years, I'm sure that's not what you would have thought you were going to land in, but that's a really successful moment in a career. Yeah. I, so I loved waxing. Um, I loved my coworkers. I loved the location I worked in. I was this like waxing is literally the only thing I can actually brag about. Um, I was the best. I was the best waxer. Um, I had celebrity clients. I wow. had, there was like the biggest mo like aside from like really good Yelp reviews and stuff, <laughs> the biggest like moment for me was when I went to a doctor's office, like all the way on the other side of town. And um, when I got into the room to see the doctor, this was my first time ever meeting them. They're like, wait, your name is Paris, like Paris the waxer? <laughs> like uh yeah she's like oh my god i've been trying to book with you but you're always booked like i've been dying to get an appointment with you i'm like are you serious so like that just confirmed everything for me like i was really really i, I just was i was really good at waxing specifically like doing brazilians so like the full mm. waxes i was really good at that i was really fast and painless um so yeah i just i loved it I loved everything except the pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's a tough conversation of figuring out. I love what I do, but how do I make a living off of it? Right. Exactly. So first of all, there is so many interesting pieces to being in an industry like waxing where you're interacting with people. There's some creativity depending on, you know, how they want things to look. Um, there is the opportunity to really make someone feel good about themselves. So there's so many underlying things to something like waxing. So as you thought about, can I actually make a living off of this and like support myself? What were some things that you were trying to figure out where you didn't lose some of the things you loved, but gave you the support that you needed in your life? For waxing specifically, I was like, you know, how can I move up the chain as a mm. waxer? Um, and it turns out that I did. So, wow. um, so in, this is like for European wax centers specifically, um, but you can become what they call the red waxer. Mm. And that's like someone who can, you know, wax in a certain amount of time. They have a certain clientele, blah, blah, blah. And I had already reached that. So wow. I reached my peak. Um, and I was like, what if I just became manager, um, you know, of the, this establishment. And mm -hmm. it turns out that waxers make more money than the managers. So I was like, well, I'm not going to leave waxing then and so <laughs> I was like what if I do marketing um like for European wax center mm. and the owner of that that establishment was like um yeah like what if we did an internship and so mm. that's what we did like we, we created like an internship it was like literally just out of thin air it was a little had. <laughs> and so we started it but it didn't really go anywhere there wasn't like that much marketing we could do um so that kind of fizzled out and I just went back to waxing. But then like on what I did was like, I, I maintained my job as a waxer, but then I also started doing like little side projects at home, like mm -hmm. doing YouTube videos. I was even doing like putting together like comedy marketing videos for um, like pool parties that were going on or club things going on. I don't know. It was my little <laughs> thing I did on the side yeah. like, to, to continue being creative and um, 
do my writing and acting and stuff. I was going to say, I love when people grab something from their past and say, yeah, with this marketing work that I'm doing, I'm actually writing, I'm producing videos, I'm maybe even in them. And that was everything from the past now coming, you know, back into the fold. Um, So you obviously are, well, maybe you still do waxing on the side, but waxing is not your full-time gig at this point. So what was what was the impetus to really make the the change out of waxing, at least as a full-time gig? So I end up enrolling in school mm. um, or back into school, I guess, to um, it was an online school where they had a location, like a, a physical location you could go into in Boston. Mm. Uh, it was actually Southern New Hampshire University and they had like oh, a really yeah. Boston type of campus. Um, so I went there to, uh, again, like get my degree in marketing. <laughs> um, and so I did that for two years and then I, oh, I, that's when like coding, like kind of came into mm. the mix. Like I started, I actually didn't know coding existed. Um, the first time I ever heard about coding was through one of my clients at European Wax Center mm-hmm. and she was an engineer and she kept telling me to get into coding. Um, and I, I didn't understand what it was. She was like, oh, get in, like, first of all, we need more women. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, it's a really cool creative career. Like a lot of people don't think it's creative, but it is. And, you know, you make really, really good money. Um, and so like, I would listen to her, but I wasn't actually like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just like, I- I'm there to listen to you because I'm waxing you. So I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um, but then I started hearing about, wa- um, I mean, um, coding more because of Obama. So Obama was president at the time and he kept really pushing um, for kids to get into STEM and STEAM and all of mm-hmm. that. Um, and I found out like my little brother was learning to code at school. Oh my um, gosh. And I was like, wow, that's that's like part of the curriculum. I feel like that's like what college students would be doing. <laughs> um, and I talked to his principal at like a, one of those school like functions that they mm-hmm. throw. And I was like, hey, like why are kids learning to code? Um, and he was like explaining to me, you know, oh, if you know you don't have a technological background, you're gonna get left behind. People are really being replaced by machines. It's a real thing. Uh, and like when he told me that, that's when I started realizing that as a wax specialist, um, I was like losing clientele to laser hair removal, which is a machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually being impacted and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Um, and that's when my curiosity for coding like kicked in. That's so interesting. And you're right, I mean, for those of us who are like right on the brink of some of that technology explosion in the early 2000s, we came up in school where none of that was discussed. You know, I didn't have a computer in, in my room in college, like none of that stuff, but just a few years behind us, they're now growing up with that and it's part of who they are. And and I jokingly tell people like, man, your kids really need to be an engineer because that's the place to be in this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're right. There's so many different places where technology is now happening, even after the last year, you know, you see healthcare and mental health and fitness and all of these things are now falling into the technology space. Um, Mm -hmm. So did you start to fall in love with it? Was it still something, oh, maybe I need to just know because I need to, or did you start having a passion for it? For coding? Yeah. Or just in Uh, in technology in general? um, No. No, so (laughs) definitely not. Um, So like my whole life, even when I was a kid, I promised myself I wouldn't have um, like a job or career where I'm sitting behind a desk Mm. staring at a computer. 
Um, Cause I just can't, like, I, I literally can't, I have to like be moving around or something. Yeah. But I, I think for me, I was more like, wait, coding, um, being left behind, being replaced by a machine, um, but you can make really good money. So I was like, <laughs> well, you know, maybe I can sort of get into it. And I asked my college counselor, like the next day, I was like, Hey, what's coding? Like, how can I get into coding? Um, and they let me know that they didn't offer those courses for this at that school. Mm. Um, but she was like, but I do know of a boot camp, um, you know, that teaches coding. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, sure. Give me the information. And it just so happened that they were holding a hackathon that very weekend. Wow. Uh, and the hack, so the boot camp was Resilient Coders. Um, and they pay and teach people of color from underserved communities to code. Um, and the hackathon is where they kind of take people to, you know, in for a day to talk about, you know, what coding is, the problems that coding can solve. Um, and they choose from those hackathons who they want to participate in their boot camp. Wow. They kind of go around to see, like, you know, are you a, um, you know, can you do teamwork well? Are you a good communicator? Like, they want to have people join the program who are, um, you know, they, they show those sort of traits. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know that going in. I just attended to, like, see what it was about. Um, so I went in. I learned about you know, what coding was. I thought it was really, I did think it was really cool. I was like, oh, wow, I just turned this box red. Like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then a few weeks, a few weeks later, I found out that I got into the program. Wow. Um, and it was a full-time program. And so I ended up quitting my job as a waxer and went full-time into like just focusing on learning to code with them. Wow. What an amazing program, by the way, you know, really giving folks an opportunity to find a place in, in that kind of uh, world and industry where maybe there wasn't the exposure, you know, boot camps aren't always cheap. And so maybe there was an accessibility issue um, for some folks. So to have that opportunity and learn with other folks who, like you said, you know, are focused on teamwork and some of the softer skills, as well as literally learning how to code. What a great organization. Yeah, literally it's like they changed my life. They've changed so many people's lives. Um, and I love the fact that you can come in and not know what coding is at all. They don't, yeah. that's not the expectation for them. It's like, they're, they're there to teach you from the ground up and you dive right into it. Um, like back then the bootcamp, they were teaching only front end development. Mm. Um, so HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then uh, the program was only eight weeks long then. Now it's like six months long. <laughs> they've, they've, changed, they've changed a lot. Um, however, even with that program being eight weeks, like my career took off. Um, and yeah, I'm just very grateful to have been able to participate in that program. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially if it was earlier days and you kind of really you know, we're able to take advantage of, you know, an opportunity that, like I said, a lot of people don't always get, but then also see the growth of that own program over the years. So yeah. you mentioned, you know, it really took your career to the next level. I'm seeing a lot of um, puzzle pieces coming together for where you are today. So, so how did you, you know, did you enjoy that work and how did it sort of lead to where you are today? Yeah. So it's so funny. Um, <laughs> So after I graduated from Resilient Coders, um, they actually, so they have their own network of like employers and stuff. And so I overheard the founder of Resilient Coders talking to someone one day about this um, 
this advertising agency in Boston that I've I've been wanting like to intern there mm. for years. Um, when I was in school trying to get my marketing degree, I applied to intern there and I didn't get it. Um, and I heard him talking about it and I was like, wait, like, you know them? <laughs> I, I was like, listen, I've been dying to get an internship there. Like I, I'm like obsessed with the work that they do and mm. their clients are so amazing and this and that. And so he had them come in one day and kind of like talk to the, to, to our cohort. Mm -hmm. And I let them know, I was like, listen, I just want to want, you know, like, I really admire the work you guys do. Like I've always wanted to intern with you. And they had me come in for like a tour of the office. Mm. Um, and they explained like their sort of like workflow and stuff to me on the technology team and how they come together to create these big projects. Um, and I was so interested. And then at the end of it, I went to go meet with HR. Mm -hmm. I thought I was just going to like go into just, I don't know, meet HR. Um, <laughs> and they're like, so do you want an internship? Oh and I was like, oh. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I was like, yes. Aww. I was like, yes. And that's, that's when I got the internship. I did the summer internship there. Um, so that was also when I started realizing more negative things about tech during that mm -hmm. internship, which is sort of how I kind of led into where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, from, uh, what, there's some phrase, like it's not from negativity comes opportunity, but from like, you know, realizing when things aren't right, you find an opportunity to make things better. So yeah, lead us to how that all unfolded. And, um, because it's been a very interesting couple of years for you. Yeah. So I got into that internship and, um, I did have great experience. Like, I'm not saying it was terrible, but, mm -hmm. Um, that was entering that internship was the first time I was like, like the only black person, mm. like, like there were me and maybe two other black people within like, not, not only just the internship, but I mean, in the entire company. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I, it was like a culture shock, like the way people spoke, the way people, it, everything was very different for me. Like, yeah. like understand that I'm coming from different industries where things aren't so like structured. There isn't this sort of like, I guess I wasn't used to that sort of like professionalism. I'm doing mm. air quotes because like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, everything was just different. It was different. And I guess I didn't really know how to adapt or assimilate. It was really hard for me. Yeah. Um, and like, I... <laughs> Like there was just so many things I was running into. There were like a few interns who were just straight up racist. Um, there were, you know, I was people who actually worked at the agency were like major like Trump supporters, and um, they also didn't believe like Black Lives Mattered. Like there, there were just things I was realizing, and I was like, this is so uncomfortable, and I don't know how to be like. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming into a place where, you know, there aren't really people who look like me, people who don't act like me or understand me. In my whole life, I've always come from places where I didn't even have to think about it, yeah. you know? Like I never had to think about, oh, how should I say this? How should I dress today? How should I wear my hair? Like that was never a concern for me until I started like entering the tech industry, um, mm. or just the industry in general, um, corporate America. But yeah, so that's that's where it started. And then after that internship, I got my first job as a software engineer mm -hmm. and um, I was excited because it was actually for this like skincare cosmetics company oh, wow. and you know, I'm an esthetician. So that aligns really well. 
Um, and I loved the engineering team that they had. It was super tiny. Like it was like me and two other people. So <laughs> it was a startup, but it was a woman led company. It was mm. mainly all women, except for the engineering team. I was the only woman, but, um, I thought that would be great until like, I realized that that was actually the worst job I've ever had. Um, oh, no. so all, they were all, they all happened to be white women, um, at the company and again, I was faced with like a lot of racism and prejudice and exclusion and stuff. Oh. Um, like there were really uncomfortable conversations happening that, you know, I wish I wasn't there for, but I was, um, I was like kept out of a lot of things and Jeez. it was just like a bad experience outside of the engineering team. I loved yeah. my actual team, but everything else was pretty sucky. Yeah. It's. It's so hard and disappointing when you hear these stories and here we are in, you know, well, 2021 now, but you know, in the late 20 teens or whatever we were supposed to call those errors, um, that at two different companies, you're experiencing that and in two different industries and two different dynamics of teams. And it's hard to say that diversity and inclusion is important when the inclusion piece is not happening. And so I know some people will say, okay, I just need to find a company that sort of reflects more of who I am and my background. Other people say, I'm going to change it from within or help others change. So as you are going through these experiences and realizing that this was, you know, obviously a, a big issue out there, especially in tech, what was your reaction to it? How did you respond? How did you want to make the difference? Yeah. So like in the moment when things would happen, like I didn't do really anything. Yeah. Well, it's um, hard. Yeah. Like I'm the only one there. I don't yeah. want my experience to become like, I don't know, potentially dangerous. So I was just yeah. like, you know what, I'm just going to like deal with it and just, you know, work and go home or whatever. Um, what, what happened was I ended up getting onto Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, this is at the end of 2018. I ended up getting onto Twitter um, I wanted to talk about my journey finding like a new role in tech. Mm -hmm. And when I got on there, I noticed that there were there there was like a super tiny community of black technologists. Mm -hmm. um, and I up until that point, I really didn't know that there were black people in tech because I <laughs> like I said, I'd never worked with yeah. anyone. Who um, and so when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that's pretty cool. Like I wonder how many more of us are out there. Um, and I ended up posting a tweet asking, um, what does black Twitter in tech look like? Mm. And unexpectedly that tweet just went viral. And I wasn't expecting that because I didn't have a following and I was new. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's the internet is, um, you know, that's how it works. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that tweet just went, um, it, it gained so much traction and attention. Like it wasn't just from like black technologists from all around the world were posting themselves into that tweet wow. creating a really long thread with their pictures and captions of what they do in the industry um so that it was getting attention from them but especially like industry leaders people even from different industries like even like hollywood they were like mm -hmm. whoa there's black people in tech like there's black <laughs> there's black this black that like people it it was like it was showing people that there isn't actually a pipeline problem yeah. right like there, there are people yes. who exist these people do exist in the industry. Um, and then it gained attention from the media, like, you know, news stories were covering it. And then it gained attention from companies. Mm. So from that, companies were DMing me on Twitter. It was like super informal. It's so weird. I'm like, 
why is this like conglomerate in my inbox? So <laughs> they're like, um, you know, they were DMing me every day, like very consistently. They're like, hey, can you recruit candidates from like this new community into our company because we wow. want to diversify and we want to do better. And, you know, we're having a hard time finding black talent, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, sure, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> I figured like, I mean, it's not that hard, right? I'm just going to ask someone if they want a job here. <laughs> so I created a Discord community where um, like, which what is now Black Tech Twitter, the community, they could go into the Discord and continue like um, communicating and building relationships mm -hmm. and stuff and looking out for opportunities. And I used that to, you know, ask people, hey, are you looking for work? You know, this company is currently hiring. Um, and so I did that for a long time. I did it for years. Um, and I introduced people to these companies that were, um, you know, looking to hire. Mm -hmm. However, I did it for free. Like I wasn't, it wasn't like a service that I was charging yeah. for I was doing it on the side. Cause I was a software engineer, nine to five. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did it for a long time. People were getting jobs. Like there's an article out where Etsy like doubled their engineering team with black talent because of black tech Twitter and wow. um, our help. So I, what happened, the, the, how Black Tech Pipeline came to be was um, quite a few of the technologists that I recruited into these different companies, they came back to me and let me know that they quit. And oh. when I asked why, I'm like, uh, they were like, you know, they weren't really inclusive. It was really clear that we were just diversity hires. There wasn't like any mentorship or um you know, challenging work being given, I wasn't growing and, you know, all these different issues that I had personally faced as well. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh my God, like I felt horrible um, because I felt like that reflected really poorly on me because mm -hmm. I didn't bet any of these companies. I was just like, yeah, I'll do it, you know, yeah. Um, without like really asking about their intentions. Um, and I just felt like I wasted people's time. And so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, if I'm going to continue doing this, I need to do it right. Um, and so that's where Black Tech Pipeline came in. And so I was like, you know, if, how how do you find out if someone's actually having a good experience at a company? And it's like, just ask them, yeah. right? So, <laughs> like, that's just a simple answer. So I created this recruitment model where anytime someone got hired out of my now service, Black Tech Pipeline, because we have our own talent database, um, we virtually stay on the job with them for their first 90 days. And so it's like we do biweekly check-ins with them to make sure that they're having a good experience. We want to make sure they have the tools and resources that they need. Um, and we want to make sure that they're being set up for success. And if they're not, we hold those employers accountable. Um, and so that is our service. And that has worked out really well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, I, I alluded to it uh, earlier without the intent of um, <laughs> leading exactly to what you're talking about, but it is about inclusion, right? Like it cannot just be, oh, look at the, the numbers that we have from our hiring. We are now a diverse company. I mean, that's obviously a start, but the importance of making sure that folks feel welcome and that they belong is so important. And I love the partnership and the part ownership that you take to make sure that your, your candidates are set up for success. Because if you've done all the work to help them get there, they've done all the work, the company's done all the work, they need to have the platform in order to be successful. Because if not, that was a waste of everybody's time and energy and emotion and everything that goes into a job search. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it works out really well. And I think like 
the other thing that's super important is like there so there are a lot of companies who they do um like candidates can check or hires can check in with like hr to talk about their experience and mm-hmm. stuff but a lot of people don't want to be super honest yes. um, about their experience because that can go really that can turn in a whole other direction um that isn't healthy for that hire um so I like coming in as someone who's sort of like, I'm not really an extension to the company. I'm an ex- an external person. Yes. And so they can be honest with me. And then I relay feedback from that hire, um, you know, to that employer. But I also work with that employer on, um, you know, making that hire's experience better. Yes. Um, it's not like just, I don't just relay feedback and I'm like, figure it out. Like, I want to help you with it. And then make sure like, there, there are no repercussions being made against that hire yes. um, for them relaying honest feedback. Yes. Well, and I think that's a huge thing too, is that as much as I, you know, as an HR person, as much as I want HR to be a safe place for people to go to at the end of the day, like I get it, right? Like I am HR, I am part of the bigger organization. Um, and so I think it's great that you create a safe space, both honestly for the candidate, but even potentially for HR to say, what more can we be doing? What what should we be doing differently? Help me think about this. Because um, maybe they have the best intentions, they don't know how to, or they don't have the buy-in or like who knows what's going on in organizations. But to be that objective coach for both the company and the candidate or now new hire, I think could be so impactful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I love leaving room for people to like have those, especially on the employer side, like just having those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. That you know, I let them know, like, this is what I'm here for. So if you have questions, like, you know, just ask them, just ask me those questions and we yeah. can have them. Oh, that's amazing. Well, and I think it, it really ties back to the idea that there are amazing people out there that can add so much to your organization and you need to create the right environment for them to be successful. And then you need to be the company that they want to go to. Like you need to be attractive as a company for folks to join. And so I think the as you bring all of that together based on your own experiences, based on what you're hearing from your candidates, I mean, it just sort of brings together this perfect package. So I'm sure you do a lot of career coaching as part of that as well, on either unintentionally or just naturally as part of their work. What biggest advice do you give folks who are thinking about their job searches or career changes or anything else that you think both you share with your direct um, work, but also that the audience can take advantage of? Yeah. So a lot of people, though, the number one question I get asked every day is like, how do I get into tech? How do I get into tech? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So for me, I think like, first, I love telling people like, tech is like an industry like there are so many fields (laughs) you can get into and within those fields there's like subfields like there's just so many things you can be doing um and so i think like the other thing i see is that a lot of people think getting into tech means getting into software engineering and i'm Mm -hmm. like that's literally not true i'm like there are so many other things you can do aside from coding um and i i i want people to think about like why are they trying to transition? Like, what is your goal here, right? Um, if your goal is you just want to make really good money, then find out which fields make that really good money. Like, what is your goal, you know? Um, yeah. But also you're able to take your your outer passions and like bring them into the industry too. 
like like there's just like so many things if you enjoy painting or whatever you can become a designer like you know if you enjoy um just like i don't know like problem solving and logical thinking you can you could become like an engineer like there's just so many things you can do you can combine your passions with tech it's just and and i know that there's a field for it yeah. um well yeah especially building on you know all the different industries of tech um you know if you love pets there is pet tech company right like you know there's so many different ways to bring your outside life into your work and and that makes it much more fulfilling whether that is literally like the creative and problem solving side or even just interests you have in working for companies in those interests because like you said tech is everywhere right exactly yeah so I like people, uh, I like having them do their research and like really figure out what exactly is their goal, what are their passions, how can you combine those and then, um, you know, get into a field that does make that money that you're looking for. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, I mean, I knew you had a really interesting story. I did, I'll be honest, I didn't realize how interesting uh, the background was and all the different steps you took to get here. But I really do believe that every step forward is leading you to something, whether that is a short-term experience that really makes a difference in your life, like waxing for, for all those years, or whether it's actually building to something that you didn't even know was going to be a part of your life. Like, I'm sure if you look back 10 years, if you said, this is what you're going to be doing in 10 years, you would have looked at some person like they had two different heads. Yeah, absolutely. I did not think I was going to be here. <laughs> Well, speaking of being here, um, we are going to have all your information in the show notes, but what is the best way for uh, people to connect with you? Yeah, so you can definitely follow me on Twitter at Paris Athena. Paris is with two S's and you can follow Black Tech Pipeline at BT Pipeline on Twitter. Amazing. Well, thank you again, both for all the work that you're doing to help people find amazing careers, but also for sharing your own story and your own journey uh, and the advice that you shared. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find the podcast. If you want to learn more about how I work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, please visit KarenDWeeks.com and follow us on Instagram at KDWCoaching underscore careers or join our Facebook group with the same name. And thank you, as always, to Astronaut Go Home for our music. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.